Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. Did you guys know that your pupils are the last part to stop working when you die? I heard they dilate. <laughs> of all the inventions in the last hundred years, the dry er erase board has to be the most remarkable. All right, Romans chapter 8. If you've got a Bible, open with me Romans 8. We're going to walk through several verses here in Romans 8 today. Um, I want to encourage you to break open your Bible, bring it with you, make a notation, do what you need to do. Um, uh, Romans 8, I'm going to ask you if you would to stand to your feet in honor of God's Word. I'm going to try to move this along today, so y'all going to have to help me, all right? Everybody say amen. amen. All right, so you now can do it. So if you'll help me, I'll preach faster. If not, I figure you're not listening and I'm, gonna, I'm stubborn that way. I'm going to try to persuade you. So if I'm trying to persuade you of something you already got, you ought to just say, Amen. that way I'll know I can move along. Y'all got me? Amen. All right, there you go. I like it. So you see that first word there? What's the first word? Therefore. therefore. Anytime you read therefore in the Bible, you should ask, what is therefore? Therefore. therefore. What is therefore? Therefore. Therefore, is going to draw a conclusion based on chapter 7. If you know anything about chapter 7 of Romans, it basically goes something like this. I want to do good. I don't. Anybody ever feel that way? Amen. Yep, yep. I don't want to do bad. I do. Anybody feel that way? Yes. Yeah. All right. So we're all on the same page. I want to do better than I do, and I don't want to do the stupid that I do. Right? All right. Therefore... There is now, well, let me tell you what just happened. He said, but thanks be to God, through Christ Jesus, we have the victory. Jesus paid the price, so we don't have to. Therefore, since Jesus paid the price, we can't do good, but Jesus paid the price. Therefore, there is now no what? Anybody ever feel condemned? Anybody ever feel like a loser, you just can't do it? Anybody feel condemned other than me? Wave at me real big if you ever feel condemned. All right. The rest of you are lying through your teeth right now. You are liars. Just go ahead and admit it. We all feel condemned. Therefore, there is now what? No, no condemnation. Is God condemning you? No. If you're in Christ Jesus, the answer is no. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do and that it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the omios, the similarity of what kind of flesh? Sinful flesh. Why is Jesus made in the similarity of sinful flesh? First of all, let's back up and say he is not sinful. He is flesh. He was made in flesh but he isn't sinful. So he's similar to us sinful people, but he never tasted sin. He never sinned so that he could be a what? Sin offering. And so he condemned you, right? Is that what it says? He condemned you? No, we started back that there is no what? There is no condemnation. So God's not condemning you. What did God condemn? Sin in your flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met. Hold on, I don't think you got that. All of the righteous requirements of God may be fully met in us. Who do, there's a condition here, who do not what? Live according to the flesh, but according to the so there's a dichotomy, there's a war going on here. We're going to talk about this war today, and that's the war between the desires of your broken flesh and the reality of God's victory through the Holy Spirit. 
So Father, I pray today you would open our hearts, we would hear what you have to say to us. God, I'm gonna say words, but somehow between these words and the vibrations of my voice, I pray somehow the Holy Spirit would get involved and would go the vibrations of their souls and that there would be acceptance of your word and your truth so that every person listening today, either here in person or online, every person listening would come to know the freedom that is available in Jesus, we pray it. Amen. 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 So, hey, would you do me and you and everybody else a favor? People are not nice enough in our culture. So could you just turn and give somebody a big smile today and say, hey, it's good to see you. Give them a big smile. Come on, nobody sit for you smile. It's good to see you. Big smile to you if you're watching online. All right. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives us life, has set us free. That's what Romans 8, 2 says. Set us what? Free. free. Has set us, come on, join, join. You got to help me here, all right? You might want to nudge somebody that hasn't said a word yet and say, come on, would you participate so we can stop this? Say, the, God has set us what? Free. free. God wants you to be free. Now, you are really good at living in your stupid, but God wants you to be free. You notice I, I, I didn't read these verses. I wasn't really looking at the screens. You know why? Anybody want to know why? Because I've memorized them. I don't memorize them because I'm spiritual and I'm so godly or I'm the preacher. You know why I memorize them? Because chapter 7 is true about me. I want to do good and I do bad and I don't want to do bad, but I keep doing it. Therefore, I figure there's a lesson and something to learn that can help me overcome. And God wants me to be free, and God wants you to be free. So on January 28th, 1945, this is from Matt Hurd's book, Life with a Capital L. January 28th, 1945, as World War II was groaning to a close, 121 elite army rangers liberated over 500 POWs from Japanese prisoner war camp in the Philippines. Most of the prisoners were survivors of the infamous Bataan Death March. If you don't know anything about that, you should do some reading. It was nasty. By the way, the Japanese were not nice to people in World War II. The, uh, they were in awful condition from physical and emotional abuse and starvation. They would do things like open the prison doors, open the jail cell doors, and they would say to the prisoners, you're free, you can go. And when they would walk outside, they would beat them, drag them back in their cell, and lock them up again. They would starve them. They would torture them through various ways that I can't mention here in a nice space. So these, these uh, 500 POWs were in awful condition from physical and emotional abuse and starvation. When the army rangers arrived, they urged the prisoners to get up and leave the camp. But the prisoners were so defeated, diseased, and familiar with deceit. These are direct quotes from a guy who was there. They were so defeated, diseased, and familiar with deceit that many of the prisoners needed to be convinced they were actually free. One such man, his name was Captain Bert Bank. He was struggling with blindness caused by a vitamin deficiency that came on through the starvation he was enduring. He could not clearly make out his would-be rescuers and he refused to budge. But then a soldier came over to him who was from Alabama. And I don't know if you know it or not, but not many Japanese have an Alabama drawl, if you know what I'm saying. And he walked up to the captain and he said, you're free, you can go now. And the resonation of the tone of his voice, the vibrations of the southern drawl resonated in his spirit that it wasn't a trick. And he got up and left the prison when nobody else could get him to budge. What I want to talk to you about today is I want to talk to you about the resonation of the Holy Spirit that wants to vibrate with the words of freedom in your soul so that you can live free 
from the power of sin and the condemnation that goes with it. You know, Jesus opened the prison doors. When he died upon the cross, the prison doors of our sins, he opened the doors, and now the door to your cell of sin and slavery to sin is unlocked. But many of us are like prisoners that get free from the jail system here in the United States. And they don't like it on the outside because working a job where you're a felon and you don't get the do and people don't believe in you and then you don't know how to work and, and you don't get your three squares a day or whatever it is that's in their head. Many of the people that are in our prison system that were released go back because they find it more comfortable in prison and they know what's there and they know what to expect and they know how to live in prison better than they know how to live in freedom on the outside so they commit another crime to get arrested and go back in. That is a fact. And that's how a lot of us are with these familiar sins that we commit. God has set us free, but we like the feeling of our sins so much that we will recommit those sins just to go back to the guilt and the shame and the self-loathing and, and the comfort of knowing we're bad. We have some comfort from our sins, even though they limit us and destroy us. But through Jesus, the door is unlocked and you can live free. But if you want to get out and stay out of your prison cell, there are a couple of things you need to do. So can we talk about number one? Number one, you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you confess him as Lord, you will be saved. Now, for a couple of weeks of here, I haven't given an altar call for salvation. The reason I haven't for a couple of weeks, felt the Holy Spirit was saying, no, no, no. I go to preach the sermon. He says, you've got to give an altar call, except you're going to do it in the middle of the message. No spooky music. No heads bows. No eyes closed. Everybody's going to look. Everybody's going to see. My question is this. Do you believe Jesus is resurrected from the dead? Are you tired are you tired of living as a slave to your sin? Do you want to be saved? Do you want to give your heart to Jesus? And this morning, experience the freedom of having your sins forgiven and condemnation lifted off of you. If you want to take the first step towards freedom and give your life to Jesus, right now is your time. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand with nobody looking. I'm going to ask you to be bold. It's your day to get saved. It's your day to declare Jesus as your Lord. And this is how you're going to do it. Stand to your feet right now. We want to pray together with you and we want to celebrate your freedom. Anybody in the room? Come on, it's time. Stand up right now. Yeah. Come on, stay up, stay up. Let's celebrate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guess what? No, no, stay, stay up, stay up for a second. Stand up, stand up, stand back up. Normally, we like pray this big prayer and we do all this kind of stuff. We're not going to do that, though. You know what we're going to do? Hold on. I think we have confessed our belief in Jesus as Lord and resurrected. I believe we have confessed him as Lord by taking this stand. Do you know what that means? In the name of Jesus, you are free. Come on, we can celebrate that. Yeah. could lead you through some prayer, but you just prayed it with your actions. Thank you. Y'all can take a, a seat. Hey, thank you, God, for freedom, right? Yeah. All right. Now, we just might have church if we just hang on for a second, because here's what's going on. We have people, if, you, if you're still seated and you didn't give your heart to Jesus, you know what that means? It means you sh should not complain when you suffer the penalty of your sin, because <laughs> you just chose it. The prison door. All right, so, all right. Now, if you want to get free, here's what we're going to do. Now that Jesus is your Lord, there are two, two areas that we really need to start changing through God's power. Number one is our desires. This passage talks a lot about flesh. It says that those who walk in the flesh, 
If, you, if you're a person that you're committed to walking in your flesh, you're going to experience death. But if you walk in the Spirit, you can find freedom. Can we talk about your flesh for a second? Everybody just pinch yourself real quick. Just pinch yourself. Ow, that hurt. Did it hurt? If it didn't, you didn't pinch yourself hard enough. Did you feel it, right? Right? Everybody, if, yeah, don't pinch other people. Just pinch yourself. All right. So here's what's going on. You are flesh. Everybody in this room is flesh, right? Could we start by saying this about your flesh? Your flesh is not evil. Because when God made human flesh, what did he say about flesh? It is not good. He did not say it was good. He said it was very good. Your flesh, by the way, is very good. I know some of you don't believe that. And I'm not just talking about people that have sexual identity issues, wanting guys want to become girls, girls want to become guys. I'm talking about people that look in the mirror, and when you look in the mirror, you say, my nose is too big, or you say, I can't do this, or my, you know, and you're spending all the time talking about how much you weigh, or whatever it is. And I just want to say this to you. God did not make junk. You are not junk. You're very good. Your flesh is very good. Now, you may, you may need to treat it a little better, but you're still very good. God does not look with, at you, and he is not disgusted with you. There is a Gnosticism, which is a, a fallacy of, and, a, and a, a way of thinking from the old, uh, old years ago that says the spirit's good and the flesh is evil. And unfortunately, we've let some of that come into our thinking in this world, and a lot of us think our flesh is bad and that, you know, I'm just a bad person. No, no, no. You are now a redeemed person, and you're no longer bad because there's no condemnation over your body. And if you've got a problem with your body, well then the problem is, is that you have a problem with your body because God doesn't have a problem with your body. If some woman said to me after first service, I wish I were taller. I said, if you were taller, if God would have wanted you taller, he would have made you taller. And she looked at her husband and said, if I were taller, I wouldn't have married him. And he's the best thing ever happened to her, and she's the best thing ever happened to him. Your body is not evil. You know, your body gets hungry, right? Are you evil when you get hungry? Come on. What about tired? You're evil that you get tired? Now, some of you get evil when you get too tired, especially if you're hungry and tired and you get hangry all at the same time. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Now, but there's nothing wrong with being hungry. There's nothing wrong with being tired. Jesus took a nap in a boat because he was so tired, he passed out while everybody was slipping out, right? All right. What about this? You get thirsty? Anybody get thirsty? It's not a problem to get a drink of water, is it? Hmm? What about sexual desire? It's not wrong for you to have sexual desire. Your body has flesh. Your flesh has desires. There's nothing the matter with your desires. The problem is what you do with your desires. If your desire for food means a bag, a whole bag of Doritos while you're sitting on the couch, then you got a problem that you aren't controlling your desires. Or if a drink turns into drinking a bottle of alcohol, a whole fifth, Oh, I added, yeah, anyway, don't get me started. Come on, what, what if your desires cause you sexually to act in any way that is outside of God's plan? By the way, sex outside of marriage to one person is outside of God's plan. I don't care whether it's premarital or postmarital sex. My issue is, is that everybody's trying to have sex outside of marriage, and I want to try to convince you to get married and have sex in marriage. I'm tired of hearing married couples not having sex together. You're going to have an issue. So why don't we do it the right way? It's funny, our world. Anyway. You, you got, your body is just your body. And it's got desires. And you're not evil that you want to meet the desires of this body. But you are evil. You do evil when you allow those desires to control you so that you do things that are actually destructive to you and everyone around you. All right, quit. So, so here's what I want to say to you about your desires. Quit justifying your sin by saying, I need it, I deserve it. 
We need to quit justifying our twisted desires. Gluttony, alcohol, laziness, pride, sexual immorality of all types. They're, they're just destructive for you. Your body has needs. Meet those needs in a healthy way. God has designed pathways to do that. Can I tell you what happens, though? This is a perfect example of what happens when you let your desires go haywire. I had a couple come to me for marriage counseling. Believe it or not, they were having marriage trouble, and the marriage trouble they were having was centered around money. So I started asking questions, and they were making, as a couple, about $60,000 a year. And they had $75,000 of car loans. $60,000 income, $75,000 in car loans. What in the world talked them into being that stupid with their money? I'll tell you what it was. They had a flesh that thought, if I drive a fancy car, I'm now special. Do you know God made you to be enough? We sang it today, Jaira, you are enough. Come on. I knew I wasn't going to win the billion-dollar lottery. I knew I wasn't. I just knew it. You know why I knew I wasn't going to win the billion-dollar lottery? I didn't play. You know why I didn't play? Because I know if I play, I'm going to win it. One ticket, all I have to buy is one ticket, I'm going to win it. I know that. Do you know why? Because I followed the road. You know what happened if $450 million dropped in my lap? Do you know what would happen to me? I tell you what, I would think that I have all this money so I could travel around the world and goof off and drive fancy cars and live in big houses and have great vacations, and I wouldn't do what God put me on this earth to do, which is to pastor a church and to raise a family and to be a man who loves the people around me. We live in a culture that is constantly pulling at your desires and telling you it's a good idea to pursue the desires of this world when if you give in to those desires, it will destroy you. So God's not going to let you win because he doesn't want to destroy you. So quit wasting 20 bucks on this stupid stuff so you can make the lottery commission rich. Take your 20 bucks and put it in a retirement account so you can have something to feed your grandkids on. Ice cream, ice, that's ice cream for my grandkids in 10 years, right? Are y'all awake? Do you have the same desires I do? Come on, I was paddling my $150 kayak through Catawba Country Club the other day, looking at million-dollar yachts and thinking, you know, if only I would play it, I could get one of these for me. You guys never deal with that stuff? Yes. Anybody in the room ever deal with that? Sure. Yeah. If God wanted you to be a multi-billionaire, he would have probably given you the systems to handle being a multi-millionaire. Like working and discipline and knowing how to give rather than just take. Why am I talking about this? Because you have desires and your desires are driving you crazy and they're leading you down a path that's destroying you like that family that was driving cars they couldn't afford so they could impress people they don't even know. Ephesians 2, 3. All of us who lived among them at one time, all of us did, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Listen, I'm not saying you're wrong for having desires and thoughts. I'm just simply saying you're dumb if you follow them. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. So how do we combat these desires? The number one thing you can do is stop excusing them. Well, I just have needs. That's why I watch porn. No. You don't know what love is and you're lonely. That's why you watch porn. <sighs> Preaching to a wall right here. You have to, so, so be careful, be careful of any sentence that starts with, I deserve. Just be careful of that sentence. Because anytime you start a sentence with, I deserve, you're probably trying to find a way to gratify your flesh. 
You have to choose to change the direction of your thoughts. How do you do that? Romans 8, 5 says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. Those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Now, when I was a kid, we had a TV. We had a TV. And the TV was across the room. And there was not one of those things. I was the remote control. Dad would say to me, Kevin, go change the channel. We only had three. Remember when you turned, does anybody remember turning off a TV and it goes. (laughs) And that was more entertaining than the show. Watching, if you don't know what I'm talking about, ask somebody old, they'll tell you. And it was entertaining to watch it. When's it going to become a dot? When's the dot going to disappear? But we used to change channels. You would get up and you'd turn, go across, and you would switch the channel, right? Now, you do this on your, you know, whatever you punch. You change channels when you want to. Now, listen, do you know that you have a channel changer? It's right here. When my kids would have a bad attitude and their desires would get out of control, I'd just go over to them and say, we're going to change a channel on that. Because those who are living there uh, according to the flesh, they've got their minds on the wrong channel. And when you hear yourself saying, I deserve, or you hear some of these things come out of your mind, what are you going to do? Out of your mouth, what are you going to do? Just change the channel. Right, I've got to move. All right, Galatians 5, 16 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify to the desires of the flesh. For the flesh, your flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. So there's this war going on between the two. What's the war? It says, they are in conflict with each other so that you do not do whatever you want. So the Spirit of God apparently is in conflict with your flesh. And that's what we're talking about. We're in a sermon series where we're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about a life lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. And apparently there is a war that goes on between what this flesh in its brokenness wants to do and what God's spirit wants to do that's best for me and there's a fight going on between the two and I have the channel changer will I think about my flesh or will I think about the spirit are y'all following me here all right good so how do we change the channels through disciplines if you change your thinking you can change your world If you change your thinking, you can change your world. God, listen to this statement, God can, but he probably will not take away your evil desires. I could have muscles, but the only way I'm going to get them is to work out, right? I could run without wheezing, but the only way to get it is what? To exercise enough until I get in shape. I could go on with that all day long. But my point is this, if you want something in your life, you have to intentionally discipline yourself to get it. Romans chapter 8, verse 6 says, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is what? It's life and peace. Now, what God wants for you is to step out of your fleshly thinking that's I deserve, that makes you a jerk and makes you consume all of the goodness of this world. And he wants you to step in alignment with the spirit of God so that you can live in the freedom of life and peace. Now, you're going to be aligned with one or the other. Now, the word here, the mind governed, is fromia. And it's, what it means is literally the choices of my thoughts. And there's a lady named Carolyn Leaf. I recommend her highly to you. Get off social media except for her. I'm follow her, okay? I'm off social media for a while now except to wish happy birthday to people. And let me tell you, the amount of stress that it's taken off of me by deleting Twitter and Insta has been amazing. Now, I'm not going to stay off of it forever, but I'm staying off for a while. I want to just encourage you. There are some of you that every time you pick up that phone, you got to go to something to, to 
I don't know, make your mind, and then you wonder why you think bad thoughts all the time. It's because you're filling your head with bad thoughts. But the mind, the mind that's set upon the spirit that you intentionally think the thoughts of God and the purposes of God will begin to find the life and peace God offers you. You have a choice. Which channel are you going to be on? Are you going to be on this one or are you going to be on this one? Are you all awake? All right. So what happens is, if we, if we want to live in the Spirit, the first thing we have to do is we actually have to confess that all of these thoughts justifying our sinful behavior are actually wrong. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us or purify us from all unrighteousness. Well, the key word there is confess. And I'm going somewhere here with all of this, and I want to wrap it up in a couple of minutes, but I want, to, I want to talk about this confess for a second. Confess is a Greek word, omologia. Omologia means this. Omo means together. Remember how we talked about Jesus is made in the omo of sinful flesh, the, the, the likeness of sinful flesh? So it's similar, and logia are words. So confession is when you speak the same words as God. Now, there's been some teaching in Christianity for years that you have the power to confess. You know, the power of life and death is in the tongue. Anybody heard that stuff? You know, you speak it, it's going to happen. There, there's some... The only way it's going to happen if you speak it is if you're homologia, if you're lined up with God's words. The Bible says that God is the one that has the power to call things that are not as though they are. You don't have that power. He has it. The, what, what, the confession, yes, I believe in positive confession. And positive confession only works, only works when you are aligned with what God says, not what you confess out of your sinful desires. If you confess, I am a sinner, you're right. God will then work supernaturally in you to set you free of your sin and to give you righteousness. Right? You don't create reality with your words. God creates reality with his words, and we simply line up with his. So quit making excuses for your selfishness. Come on, me and my wife, we got in a fight the other day. Believe it or not, we get in a fight. Second service, you get all the goods here. We got in a fight. This is a good one. It was a good one. You know the only way we got done with that fight? When I said, I'm right and you're wrong. <laughs> did, did you think that would work? Come on, married men. Is that going to work? No, what did I have to say? <sighs> I was wrong. I'm sorry. I, I overreacted. Which is, by the way, aligning with the facts. Because I was wrong, I overreacted, and I was a bit of a jerk. When I confessed that, I only heard about it ten more times. <laughs> no, 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 no. Come on, what is confession? Confession is when her and I come into agreement about how big a jerk I was, and then there's freedom. Right? Right? If you want to be free of your sins, quit justifying it. Just quit justifying it. Speak the same words. Omologia. Say the same words as God. Confess your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Romans 8.13 says that if you live according to the flesh, if you keep living and defending it, you will what? You'll die. Your life is going to be used up. But... If by the Spirit you do what? You put to death the misdeeds, the excuses of your flesh, and you begin disciplining yourself to follow the ways of the Spirit, you will live. So what I want you to do is I want you to change some habits. Now listen, I read a book called The Power of Habit, and you don't change every habit. I'm not asking you to change 15 things. I'm asking you to change one thing. One. I'm going to make a suggestion. Here's the one thing I want you to do, okay? Can we... Could y'all, y'all hear what I'm saying? If you want to change your habits, you want to change your world, I'm asking you to change one habit and one habit only, all right? Are y'all with me? Y'all hearing what I'm saying? Everybody awake? One habit I want you to change. I want the first thing you consume in the morning to be the scriptures. 
I'm not saying you need to read a chapters or whatever, but before you pick up your phone to read your email or anything else, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Actually, I'm asking you to do you a favor. I want you to change one habit. I want your first thought to be upwards towards God. Go on Life, what, what is it? Life Church has the Bible. What's the version Bible app if you need to. Get the verse of the day. I don't care what you do. Put your Bible by your bedstand. I don't care what you do, but I'm asking you to change one habit. How many of you would say, I'll give it a go. I'll try it. Okay. First thing. All right. All right. So if you miss one day, don't miss two. All right. You'll miss a day, right? You're going to miss a day, right? You're right? All right. Just don't miss two. Don't make a habit out of missing your habit. And let's do it for 62 days. Take 62 days and make the first thing you consume in the morning to be some kind of scripture. If you want to start Matthew chapter one, and the first thing you do is go Matthew and you read a couple of verses or a chapter or whatever, I don't care what you do, or you do the version Bible, I don't care what you do. Could you change one habit? What I'm asking you to do here is this. The mind channeled towards what's on social media or news is what? Death. But the mind focus on the spirit is life and peace. And I'm inviting you into changing one key habit to change your world. Just a question. How many of you will try that? Come on, wave at me. How many of you will try it? All right, good, good, good. Let's do it. So I got two dogs in my house. One is upstairs. I call him... Sarks. Now, Sarks upstairs, I take him for a walk every day. I feed him. I make sure his water bowl is good. We go out. He walks. I pick up his little poop, take it back. We play catch in the yard. I pet him, rub him, and he rubs his little belly when he lays down. We take walks, and, and we talk and laugh and all that kind of stuff. And me and, me and Sarks, we get along. Numa, Numa, though, lives in the basement. Numa is the dog that lives in the basement. He lives there all the time. I take him out one day a week. I take him out one day a week for one hour. And, uh, and we sort of, you know, I let him eat a little bit and then I put him back in his cage for the rest of the week. Now, the other day, Numa and Sarks got in a fight. Which one do you think won? Sarks did. Why, why would, by the way, Sarks means flesh, Numa means spirit. What I'm describing for you is this, how many of you treat your bodies Every week, you live your entire week fixing your hair and eating your food and going to here and there. And one, one hour a week, you come to church oh, a couple of times a month. And you wonder why every time you have a, a fight with the devil, you lose. The reason you lose is because you're feeding the wrong thing. So I'm going to take you up on that. 62 days, reading the scriptures first thing every day. All right, wow. This is the heart of my message. This is what I want to get to today, right here, right now. So, is there a way to get the Spirit's help? If you do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, is there a way to get the Spirit's help? All right, to do that, we have to back up. We have to back up to something Jesus said 2,000 years ago. You already stretch if you need to. Let's do this. 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, God is Spirit. Can you put that up? It's John Chapter 4, verse 24. God is what? Spirit. Now, I read a book of, about atheists the other day and, and about evolution and atheists and how. All right, so have y'all seen the Webb telescope? Have y'all seen that? There's a picture of it. We're going to put it up here. And this picture is from the size of the sky that's a grain of sand held at arm's length like this. And that, that grain of sand would cover that much of the sky. Now notice there's a couple of stars in there, but a vast majority of these are galaxies and nebula. So what I'm telling you is these are, some of those are a billion light years across. And these are out there billions of light years, and that's just one little portion of the sky. There is a lot in this universe we don't know anything about. There's a lot of it. By the way, every bit of it, by the way, is made up of matter and mass. Now back up to that verse. What is God? God is what? Do you know what spirit is not made of? Matter and mass. Now, listen. 
The atheists will tell you that all of that universe we just saw came from one big explosion, and that big explosion happened billions and billions and billions and billions and trillions of years ago. And years ago, there was this one little dot of mass. Well, it wasn't really there because we don't know where the mass came from, but this one little dot all of a sudden just exploded, and all that we see and all that we hear and all that is observable around us in the entire universe, even the things that are unobservable, they're all that came out of this one explosion that happened. But nobody knows where it came from. Because it's all mass. And mass lives in time and space. But let me tell you something about spirit. <laughs> it's like Jesus knew something. He said God is spirit, and spirit is not limited to mass, time, or space. Did y'all just get what I said there? So even the atheist... There has to be an uncreated creator. <laughs> For the atheist posits of how this whole universe came into being, there has to be an uncreated creator that made mass. Because, I don't know if you know it, but all mass is vibrating. All mass is vibrating. Did you know that? There are vibrations in all mass. Every atom and every one of those stars and every one of those pictures, there's a, every atom is vibrating at its own speed. Did you all know that? All of it is vibrating. Everything in the universe is vibrating. <laughs> Somebody sent me this week from, um, from the Septuagint, Genesis 2-7. And God formed the human with dust from the earth and he blew the breath of life into his face and the human became a living soul. So what he was saying is he, I got to thinking about the vibrations of that wind. And the vibrations that wind is like God playing an instrument, you know, like a clarinet or a trumpet or something. And the vibrations of the wind is what brought life into us. And then he said, I started thinking about everything in creation. How did, how did God, according to the scriptures, how did God make everything? God spoke. He said it. Now, when you speak, there are vibrations that come out. And those vibrations. So an uncreated creator spoke into nothing and everything started vibrating that exists. <laughs> now why does this matter? Because you matter and you are matter and you and I are at vibrations. Come on, anybody, anybody in the room, you ever heard of the resonant frequency formula? Do you know what that is? That's that, the, anybody remember the old live Memorex? Is it live or Memorex where the opera singer hits the, no! And when she does, what happens to the glass? It shatters. It's a fact that what happens is when those notes hit the vibration levels that are at the proper frequency with the already vibrating glass that you can't see, but it's still vibrating, what happens? The vibration here of the notes that hit it versus the vibration of what's going on causes the glass to shatter. And what I want to posit to you is, is that when God breathed and God spoke, he put vibrations in the universe when God spoke, he created mass. He created everything that is and that it is vibrating at the vibration level he made it to and he made you with breath in you, which means his vibrations are within you. Come on, good vibrations here. Anyway, now what's going on is this, is that when you and I sin, we are out of alignment, homologia. We're not confessing. We're not in the same frequency that God has for us to live in freedom. But when we confess our sins and we align ourselves with the Spirit, there is a way that we can be brought into alignment so that the powers of darkness are shattered. And why does this matter? Because apparently if God is spirit and God is creating these vibrations and we get out of alignment with him, is there a way we can get in alignment with the vibrations of life that he has for us? Romans 8, 26 says this. Just give you what scripture says. In the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. We're out of alignment. But the spirit himself intercedes for us. There is a way that the Holy Ghost intercedes through you so that you begin to confess and to bring your life in resolution with God's will and purposes and vibration so that you can live in victory and freedom. That's why the spirit's at war against the flesh and flesh... Are you, 
And, and how do we know this? He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. I don't have it in my notes, but 1 Corinthians 2, I believe it's verse 11, says we're spirit to spirit, spiriting. Me, I can spirit with God's spirit, and we can spirit together so that there can be freedom in life. How do we align with his spirit? We pray in the spirit through wordless groans. In other words, you're not going to put with your mind and your thoughts the words you need to get yourself in alignment with God's spirit because God's thoughts are higher and greater than yours. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says, if I pray in a tongue, here he goes, Pentecostal on us again. You betcha. You betcha. If I pray in a tongue, what's praying? My spirit. My spirit is aligning with God's spirit, but my mind is unfruitful. So what should I do? What should I do? I will pray with my spirit. I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit. I will also sing with my understanding. So when we align ourselves in our spirits with the frequency of God's spirit, I believe there is victory. And we do that when we pray in the spirit. I get out of tune like a guitar. I played my guitar the other day and my granddaughter had been playing with the knobs. It was not pretty. So what did I have to do? I had to break out the tuner and I had to tune the, the E string to the A string to the D string to the B string to the G Do y'all follow me? Yep. They had to be in tune. Why am I preaching this? Why am I saying all this? Because some of you, you walk through the door, you've got an anti-Pentecostal bias. You walk through the door and you're like, that tongues thing, it's just stupid. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it's weird. Or it's weird. I admit it's weird. But you know what? You just said earlier that you believe Jesus Christ, a guy, died on a cross, was buried in a tomb, resurrected, ascended to God, and he now intercedes for you. You're already weird. Why don't we just go ahead and go all the way? The deep end of the pool is okay, too. Let's go into the deep end. Because here's the deal. It may be a little weird, but what if it's tr- True. What if, what if God wrote three entire, caused three entire chapters of the Bible about the usage of tongues to be included in the Bible, not to ignore it, but to actually help us know how to use it? <laughs> what if the five instances of people being baptized in the Holy Spirit, four of which they speak in tongues because of it, what if there's something to it? Why would you shut it out because it's weird? i tell you why you'd shut it out, because you're weird, because you're living in your flesh. And I want you to get away from that. I'm not trying to convince you to do anything except simply let's pull down the barriers and say, God, if it's real, I want it. How about that? I'm not telling you what to do except to stop doing resistance to something that God may have for you. You see, there's a difference between the public usage of tongues and the private usage of tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, 18 says this. I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you, but in the church I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 in a tongue. So this is the Apostle Paul saying he talks in tongues more than all of you. But where's he not talking in tongues? Church. Because he's not trying to be spiritual in church. He's trying to align himself with God's spirit and get on the same frequency as God. How about this one? Jude chapter 20, verse 21. But you, dear friends, building yourselves up, in your most holy faith, as you pray in the Holy Spirit. By the way, these are all guys that are Pentecostal in action as well as belief and theology, and they're all encouraging us to pray in the Holy Spirit. Is there any validity there? I will tell you that the guy who walked into the second floor flower prayer room and the guy who walked out is two different people. I walked in one guy I had a Pentecostal experience with God. I had been around Pentecost my entire life and it was always sort of weird to me and I never really had anything happen. But that day in that prayer room, God changed me to my core. I want it for you. If there's a way for you to get in alignment with God so that when your kids are acting like idiots, you can pray in accordance with the will of the Holy Spirit and God, and you can get in alignment and then act and speak in such ways to bring them back into alignment, wouldn't you want that? Then why are you resistant to it? Why?
moment of self-reflection. Maybe it's your flesh and your desires to not be weird and not be out of control. And maybe what you need to do this morning is you need to care more about God and his ways than you do about you and your ways. And I'm not asking you to do anything except be open. Okay? My mom was telling me she went to a church when she was a kid. I asked her about it. I was like, Mom, tell me about your Pentecost. How'd you get filled with the Holy Spirit? She said, it was weird. I was at church, and I'd go to the altar, and all the women would pray for me. And one would yell, let go! And the other one would say, hold on! And another one would talk in tongues in my ear and do all weird stuff. And, and, they was, and she said it was horrible. So we don't do that. You'll never see that here at this church. It ain't going to happen that way. She said this is what happened, though. She went up in the choir loft and she was up in the choir loft and she just started, God, I, I love you. I want to know you. Hallelujah. You are wonderful. You are hallelujah, she began to say. And she said, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just came over her. And that's what happened to me privately. It's what happened to my mom privately. It's what happened to my mom-in-law privately. It's what happened to my wife privately. It's what happened to dozens of people I know. Listen, I'm not trying to talk you into an experience. I'm trying to talk you into being open to everything God has for you. And what I would like to do as a conclusion today, they're going to sing a song. And um, what you do is they just want you to worship. I was reading Revelation. I started Revelation in Greek, and it just really started messing with me. Revelation 1.8, I am, God says, the Alpha and the Omega, the one who is, who was, and who is to come, who lives outside of time and space, who lives outside matter, who lives outside this world that we are encapsulated in, and he's above it in dimensions we can't understand. So he was here before it began, and he'll be here after it's done, and he is above and beyond all that we can see and know and feel and touch. He is the Almighty, the Lord. And when we begin to lift our eyes and focus on Him and worship Him and say, God, if you got it, I want it. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and power that I can align myself with you. If that's you, today, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to fill you and empower you to be a follower of Jesus like you've never known. And I'm going to ask you to do something. We're going to stand and we're going to sing a song. And I'm going to invite you, if you just want the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life, I'm going to invite you to come to this altar. You can stand, you can kneel, do whatever. Just come and just begin to worship God. I'm not asking you to do anything else except worship God, which is truly biblical. And as you worship God, would you just believe that God is going to align you with him right now? Would you stand and let's sing this together?